0: Hello, Hayden. Hope you're staying cozy out there in Savannah, with the weather looking a bit dreary today.
1: Yeah, highs of 66 degrees and lows of 56 with light rain all day. Perfect weather for staying in and catching up on the news.
0: And speaking of news, let's dive into what we've got on tap for you today. First up, we're talking about a major pushback from several tech giants against Apple. Companies like Epic Games and Spotify are taking a stand against Apple's adaptation to the Digital Markets Act in the EU. They claim Apple's new rules stifle competition and are calling on the European Commission to intervene.
1: I'm Steve Onsker, and that's Jonathan Martin. Welcome to The Daily Unit from PocketPod News.
0: Next, we move to Russia, where thousands have mourned the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. His death in a penal colony has sparked accusations of murder by his supporters and poses new challenges for Russia's opposition movement.
1: And finally, over in Vietnam, President Biden's visit takes an unexpected turn with the revelation of Directive 24, a secret measure aimed at curbing foreign influence that could put human rights at risk despite efforts to strengthen ties between the U.S. and Vietnam.
0: Through these stories, from tech battles in Europe to political unrest in Russia and diplomatic maneuvers in Vietnam, we're here to put it all into perspective for you. So stay with us as
1: we delve into these issues and more. You've got The Daily Unit bringing you the news you need to start your day right here from PocketPod News. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to pocketpod.app to join the wait list.
0: The tech world is buzzing with a heated debate over Apple's recent moves. That's right. Several big names
1: in technology like Epic Games, Spotify, and even Microsoft are taking issue with how Apple is adapting its rules to comply with the European Union's New Digital Markets Act, or DMA for
0: short. They've gone as far as filing a formal complaint to the European Commission, accusing Apple of essentially making a mockery of the DMA. The core of their discontent? Apple's introduction of what's being called a core technology fee, among other measures.
1: And it doesn't stop there. Critics argue that these actions by Apple could stifle competition by making it harder for alternative app stores to thrive and blocking apps from being distributed
0: outside the app store. But Apple is standing its ground, pointing to security and consumer privacy concerns in a white paper released in response to these criticisms. The European Commission isn't taking these complaints lightly either. They've indicated they'll be doing a
1: deep dive into big tech gatekeepers' compliance solutions before deciding on any enforcement
0: actions. To help us untangle this complex issue, we're joined by PocketPod News technology correspondent Alex Harmon. Alex has been closely following this story and will offer insights into both sides of the argument and what this could mean for the future of digital markets in
2: Europe. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Indeed, the situation between Apple and various developers and tech companies is heating up over how Apple has chosen to comply with the European Union's new Digital Markets Act, or DMA. Critics, including big names like Epic Games, Spotify, and Microsoft, accuse Apple of essentially making a mockery of the DMA. They argue that Apple's adaptation measures, particularly the core technology fee and its stance on alternative app stores and sideloading, are more about maintaining control than fostering competition. Can you break down this core technology fee for us? How significant is it in this controversy? Absolutely. The core technology fee is a new charge introduced by Apple as part of its compliance with the DMA. It specifically targets apps distributed outside the App Store. For each first annual install per year over a $1 million threshold, Apple plans to charge 50 This move has been widely criticized by companies who see it as a way for Apple to continue extracting revenue from developers even when they choose to distribute their apps outside of the App Store's ecosystem.
0: And how have these companies responded
2: to what they see as non-compliance by Apple? In response, 34 companies and associations have banded together to file a formal complaint with the European Commission. They're urging swift action against what they perceive as Apple's failure to fully embrace the spirit of the DMA, which was designed to ensure competitiveness in digital markets by breaking down barriers imposed by big tech gatekeepers like Apple.
0: What about alternative app stores and sideloading? Why are these points so contentious? The contention
2: here revolves around freedom for developers and choice for consumers. The letter from these companies argues that true effectiveness of the DMA hinges on its ability to allow for alternative app stores and sideloading without restrictive conditions imposed by platforms like iOS. However, critics argue that Apple's current measures make it nearly impossible for alternative app stores to operate freely and do not genuinely permit sideloading
0: under its existing rules. I see. Now, Apple cites security concerns as a major reason behind their approach. How do they justify this stance? That's right. In a white paper
2: released by Apple, they've emphasized that their compliance strategy with the DMA is heavily influenced by concerns over security and consumer privacy. They argue that their approach is designed to minimize potential harms users could face from less secure apps or platforms, a point that some see as valid, but others view as veiling anti-competitive practices. And what has been the European Commission's reaction so far? An EC spokesperson has indicated that enforcement actions would be considered once Big Tech Gatekeeper's compliance solutions are fully known and analyzed in detail. This suggests that while there's no immediate rush to judgment from the EC's side, there's also an implicit warning that they won't hesitate to act against perceived non-compliance once they have full enforcement powers.
0: Lastly, there was a recent reversal on progressive web apps by Apple under pressure.
2: Yes, indeed. Facing criticism from developers and potential regulatory action from bodies like the EC, Apple reversed an earlier decision blocking progressive web apps from operating normally on iOS devices in the EU. This reversal can be seen as an acknowledgement of external pressures influencing Apple's policies towards more
0: open standards, at least in specific cases. That gives us quite a comprehensive view of where things stand currently between developers and tech companies versus Apple regarding DMA compliance issues. It'll be interesting to see how this unfolds further down the line. Absolutely, Jonathan. Keeping an eye on how regulatory bodies like the
2: European Commission navigate these waters will be key in understanding future dynamics
0: within digital markets in Europe. That was PocketPod news technology correspondent Alex Harmon. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. In Moscow, thousands have gathered to mourn the loss of one of Russia's most prominent opposition leaders, Alexei Navalny.
1: Navalny, a vocal critic of Vladimir Putin, died on February 16th this year under suspicious circumstances in an Arctic penal colony. His funeral, held on March 1st, became not just a moment of mourning but a demonstration against the Kremlin.
0: To unpack the significance of Navalny's death and the public's response, we're joined by PocketPod News World Affairs correspondent Rose Fletcher. Rose, the scenes from Moscow are quite powerful. What does this tell us about Navalny's impact and the state of opposition in Russia?
3: Indeed, Jonathan, the scenes in Moscow following Alexei Navalny's funeral were not only powerful but also deeply symbolic of the broader struggle for democracy and opposition in Russia. Navalny's death on February 16th at the age of 47 under highly suspicious circumstances in an Arctic penal colony has ignited a wave of public mourning and demonstrations that underscore his significant role as a central figure in Russian opposition.
0: Can you give us some more details about the funeral and who was there?
3: Certainly. The funeral took place on March 1st in Moscow and drew thousands of mourners from across Russia. Despite the risks associated with public dissent in Russia, large crowds gathered to honour Navalny's memory chanting slogans against President Vladimir Putin like Russia will be free and Putin is a murderer. This defiance in the face of potential repression highlights the depth of feeling Navalny-inspired among many Russians. In terms of attendance, apart from ordinary citizens, foreign envoys from countries including the US, France and Germany were present, indicating significant international concern over human rights issues in Russia.
0: What has been the government's response to all this?
3: The Kremlin has denied any involvement in Navalny's death and issued warnings against unsanctioned gatherings. State media coverage of the funeral was minimal, reflecting ongoing efforts to suppress dissent and control narratives around opposition activities. It's part of a broader pattern we've seen where the government seeks to stifle political opposition and maintain a tight grip on power.
0: And what does this mean for the Russian opposition?
3: With Navalny's death, Russia's already fragmented opposition faces even greater challenges. Putin appears poised for another term with all major critics either imprisoned or forced into exile. This development could further stifle political dissent within Russia and limit challenges to Putin's rule. It highlights how precarious opposition movements are within authoritarian regimes, where state mechanisms can be mobilized against dissenters.
0: How have Navalny's family responded during this difficult time?
3: Yulia Navalny, Alexei's wife, expressed profound grief but also determination to continue her husband's work. Their daughter Dasha shared an emotional tribute that resonated with many people who see Navalny as a symbol of resistance against corruption and authoritarianism. These statements not only highlight their personal loss but also reinforce his legacy as someone who fought tirelessly for democracy in Russia.
0: Rose, before we conclude, could you touch upon Alexei Navalny's background a bit? Absolutely. Alexei
3: Navalny was a former lawyer known for organising protests against corruption among Russia's ruling elite. His activism posed a significant challenge to Putin's regime. Notably courageous was his decision to return to Russia from Germany in 2021 after recovering from poisoning, a move that led to his immediate detention upon arrival. His life epitomised resistance against oppression despite overwhelming personal risks.
0: It sounds like his death marks not just a tragic loss for his family, but also raises serious questions about the future trajectory of political dissent in Russia.
3: Precisely, Jonathan. The outpouring of grief and defiance seen at Navalny's funeral illustrates his influence as an opposition figure, but also underscores both the risks faced by those opposing Putin's regime and deep divisions within Russian society over issues of governance and human rights.
0: That was PocketPod News World Affairs correspondent Rose Fletcher, Thanks for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me, Jonathan.
0: It's a pivotal moment for Vietnam on the world stage and in its internal politics.
1: Right. With President Joe Biden's recent visit marking a new chapter in U.S.-Vietnam relations, Vietnam is also grappling with the balance between international integration and maintaining tight control over its political landscape.
0: From the issuance of Directive 24, aimed at curbing foreign influences, to strategic partnerships beyond the United States, Vietnam is navigating complex waters. And amidst this, concerns over human rights are growing louder.
1: Exactly. While these diplomatic moves are significant, critics worry about their implications for civil liberties within the country. It seems like Vietnam is trying to expand its global footprint without loosening its grip on domestic affairs.
0: To dig deeper into these developments and what they mean for Vietnam and its place in global politics, we're joined by PocketPod News International political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Sarah, can you break down the significance of President Biden's visit and what Directive 24 might mean for Vietnam's future? Absolutely, Jonathan.
4: President Biden's visit to Vietnam on September 10, 2023, was a landmark moment, not just symbolically, but also in terms of geopolitics. Hosting a ceremony in Hanoi with Nguyen Phu Trong, the General Secretary of Vietnam's Communist Party, marked the elevation of relations between the United States and Vietnam to what's termed a comprehensive strategic partnership. This shift is monumental when considering the historical backdrop of conflict between these two nations. It signifies a mutual recognition of evolving challenges and opportunities on the global stage.
0: That sounds like a significant development, Sarah. Can you elaborate on Directive 24 and its potential implications? Of course.
4: Issued on July 13, 2023, Directive 24 is Vietnam's Communist Party's response to what it perceives as threats from foreign influences amidst its deepening international ties. This six-page document underscores a push to safeguard national security and maintain party control while navigating global cooperation waters— The Vietnamese government's concern is palpable. They're looking to buffer their political system and societal norms against what they deem as external ideological encroachments.
0: With that in mind, how do human
4: rights organizations view these developments? Human rights groups are sounding alarms over Directive 24, fearing it could lead to more stringent controls over civil liberties in Vietnam under the guise of protecting national security, There's an apprehension that as Vietnam engages more internationally through partnerships and economic ties, the leadership might tighten rather than relax controls over freedoms within the country. This paradox highlights a critical tension between aspirations for global integration and preserving authoritarian governance structures.
0: Speaking of international engagements, how does this fit into Vietnam's broader strategy with countries other than the U.S.? That's an insightful question, Jonathan.
4: Beyond its partnership with the U.S., Vietnam has been actively forging comprehensive strategic partnerships across Asia Pacific, namely with South Korea at the end of 2022 and Japan in November 2023, and is poised to finalize one with Australia soon. These moves are not just economically motivated, but are also part of Vietnam's strategic calculus within regional security dynamics that involve China prominently. It reflects Hanoi's attempt to diversify its alliances amid an evolving geopolitical landscape marked by tensions between Western countries and China.
0: And there seems to be an internal aspect to this as well, the crackdown on civil society under Nguyen Phu Trong's leadership? Precisely.
4: Amidst these international maneuvers lies an intensified crackdown on civil society within Vietnam, especially notable during the COVID-19 pandemic when global attention was diverted elsewhere. The crackdown targets democracy advocates and environmental NGOs, among others, effectively silencing critical voices advocating for democratic reforms and human rights in Vietnam.
0: These developments paint a complex picture of where Vietnam stands today. Indeed they do, Jonathan.
4: On one hand, we see Vietnam ambitiously stepping onto the global stage through strategic partnerships— On the other hand, it maintains tight control internally with measures like Directive 24 and actions against civil society groups, a balancing act between opening up internationally while guarding against perceived threats domestically.
0: Thank you for sharing those insights into this intricate situation in Vietnam.
4: Thank you for having me here
0: today. that's the daily unit for saturday march 2nd 2024 i'm jonathan martin and i'm
1: steve onsker
0: thank you for listening hayden we hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow this podcast was created by pocket entirely with ai if you'd like to learn more head over to pocketpod.app